Hello, my name is Steve Donovan and welcome to Dive Info Lifeline. Our motto is information is your lifeline. I started out as a combat diver in the Royal Canadian Engineers. The basic course was 280 hours. Our work was not that far off what a commercial diver would do. Basically, we'd have to bring our skills underwater. A field engineer in the military can be compared to a construction worker. So we're basically military construction workers. And we had to, con we had to build things underwater, work with tools, often in water with poor visibility. Uh, on many dives, we were buddy diving, but we had an added feature. We had a, a buddy line between each diver. So the divers were actually attached to each other. Much of the work was more riskier than most commercial diving, especially when our dives were combat-oriented. Attacking a beach area or diving at night with only the light from a compass in front of us. We would have emergency lights in case something went wrong. This type of diving made planning even more critical. After four years of combat diving, I ventured off to be a commercial scuba diver, mostly working in Atlantic Canada. Places like Point La Pro, Colson Cove, Macnaquack Dam, Churchill Falls, Labrador. I can remember some of my early jobs in Shamcook Lake uh, in New Brunswick building underwater structures for the salmon industry. We also worked on many fishing weirs in the area. I soon found out we did a lot of high-risk work as a commercial scuba diver, and I can only credit my combat diving experience kept me alive in many of the situations. It was common to work in hazardous waters flows, underneath vessels, in confined spaces, and in dark, dirty water. I can remember one job I had to wear medical wicks in my ears afterwards because uh, I got water contamination in my ear. I lost my hearing for a couple of weeks. I can remember on one job working on a dam site and holding the grating on one intake because I was being sucked towards the other intakes. This was commonplace. We were working on a job in the Bay of Fundy not far from another diving competitor. They were wearing surface supply uh, equipment with band masks. We would laugh at them and refer to them as baby divers needing to be tended. We would say it, it took more courage for us to do it our way. As fate would have it, the company won the next contract in the area and offered me a job. The dives are less than 30 feet and they trained me how to use the surface supply equipment and it did take long, I felt comfortable. The first job we were doing there was core sampling. We had to run a core sampler underwater. We, we were doing it with the other company in scuba and we would celebrate if we get more than two feet of core a day. In the surface supply equipment, we were getting over six feet a day. Our production was way up and the work was much easier. And it was made easier by the ability to talk to the supervisor while in the water and not wasting time going back and forth to the surface. I quickly learned how much more could be done wearing surface supply band masks. Having the ability to discuss the situation if you're running into problems while you're on the bottom was a lot easier and saved a lot of time. It may have taken more courage to do some of the things we did in scuba, but it was much more productive wearing that surface supply band mask. 
Shortly after that job, I ended up in the North Sea as a scuba diver, doing underwater maintenance on the rig while the bell divers were traveling back and forth to the bottom. I ended up doing some bell diving and really enjoying the experience. Soon after, I joined the Navy and became a clearance diver. The basic clearance diving course was about 11 months long. That's five days a week. We dove in rebreathers, surface supply, scuba. Most of our work was done in scuba under hulls of ships, and we would change a warship's propeller in scuba. Much of our work was done in contaminated water in Halifax Harbor prior to the water treatment plant. Ear infections were common, and on one occasion I ended up in the hospital for a couple of days after uh, experiencing severe cramps from contamination. It is good to see that the clearance divers today are, are being more protected wearing the full face mask. The next course we took as a clearance diver after a few years was the clearance diver technician course. If I can remember, this was about four months long. We learned how to take part our diving equipment, repair it, operate decompression chambers. We also received extensive training in diving medicine and supervision. Not long after the training, I ended up in Toronto at DCM during the development of the new decompression tables. Well, at DCIM, I was involved in diving fatality investigations and also moonlighted as a chamber operator at the hyperbaric facility at Toronto General Hospital. We carried out numerous experiments and equipment evaluations, and on one occasion, we were commissioned by another country to carry out a 1,200-foot saturation dive to evaluate some equipment. Before I was a clearance diver, as a commercial diver I was involved in uh, diving working groups in New Brunswick and was part of an Ontario diving safety working group while at DCIM in Toronto. And also I was part of a diving safety working group in Nova Scotia after I uh, got out of the military. Presently I'm a part of a newly formed international safety working group with members from Scotland, England, Chile, Canada, and other countries. My passion is helping diving groups and organizations with diving safety matters. I soon will be following up with more podcasts on diving safety. If there's any topic you are interested in, be sure to contact us at www.diveinfolifeline.com and we will ask any, answer any questions you have and we'll get back to you as soon as. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to our next podcast. Thanks for listening to Dive Info Lifeline. Remember, being informed is being aware.